Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living. There is nothing more fun than studying a person's life in the Bible and learning from what they did. Abraham provides a great example of someone who was led by the Holy Spirit. An initial lesson that I see from Abraham is that the Holy Spirit led him to a blessed life. If you feel like you aren't a blessed person, or maybe even you might have the extreme view of yourself, believing yourself to be cursed, all you need to do is start following the leading of the Holy Spirit, and He is going to lead you to consistent daily blessing. Do you know why God wants you to be blessed? Because only through His blessing can you live a fruitful and productive life. You have to have God's blessing. The Holy Spirit is the agent of blessing in your life. So listen in and see how you can start being led by the Holy Spirit and receiving all the blessings that God has in store for you. Over the last five weeks, we've been talking about what it takes to be led of the Spirit, also carried by the Spirit, because if you recall, the Bible, whenever it talks about being led of the Spirit, it's referring to the fact that the Holy Spirit can literally pick us up and carry us, not just for a week or two, for the rest of our lives, we can be carried by the Holy Spirit. What an encouragement that is. But we spent about two weeks on that, and then we spent another three weeks, the last three weeks, on the law of the Spirit, of being governed by the wonderful law of the Spirit that brings peace to us, it brings grace to us. It's, it's uh, administered through faith. Uh, it's it's uh, drowning in God's love. That's the, the law of the Spirit in Romans 8. What a rich chapter that is. My favorite, I would just go ahead and say my favorite chapter in the whole Bible is Romans 8. And here's how I know it's my favorite chapter. And you need to ask yourself this question. If the Bible were taken away from you, and uh, your captors were to tell you uh, what book of the Bible or what chapter of the Bible would you like me to rip out of this Bible and give to you, what would you be left with? <laughs> and that's your favorite book of the Bible right there. That, that proves that you have a favorite book of the Bible. But now we're going to do what we've really started practicing over the last six months, and that is after a sermon series, is to look at a particular character in the Bible who exhibited or practiced um, being led of the Spirit. And I'm telling you what, Abraham has been blowing my mind with how he was led by the Spirit of God. Now, I don't know that Abram, we'll call him Abraham. I'm going to switch back and forth between Abram and Abraham because at first his, his original name was Abram, but then we'll see through his story that God changed his name to Abraham. So you'll hear me probably flipping back and forth accidentally between the two names. But um, this man was led by the Spirit of God uh, at least from age 75 until the day he died. <laughs> and most likely he was led of the Spirit of God before then as well. But um, we're, we're going to study the account of, of at least part of his life and see how he was led of the Spirit or carried by the Spirit and, and let his example inspire us to do the same thing. And I just encourage you, um, uh, the, the, I know the sermon is not uploaded on the website yet because I haven't sent it to Vincent yet, um, but it will be very shortly. And the readings for this, this, uh, this week are just 
phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. It's what I've been reading this last week. See, I'm always just one week ahead of <laughs> of what you guys are if you follow along with our reading list Monday through Friday. But um, we're going to go ahead and study uh, Abraham, and I'm telling you, all bets are off. This could take three or four weeks. Uh, it's certainly not going to. It's not going to go quickly. There's so much rich. Rich information, rich example that I don't want to rush it. And uh, God's given us all the time in the world for this, so we're going to go ahead and take it. But we're going to be looking in Genesis 12 today. And so you can kind of follow along, and um, you're going to see that it's going to be kind of slow going because there's so much rich, rich information here that's applicable to our daily lives. You're going to be able to take what we talked about this morning and apply it this afternoon. That's what I love about Abraham and his story. So let's go ahead and get started. In Genesis 12, I'm going to read the first five verses here, and we're going to park here, and then we're going to rewind into Genesis 11, and you'll see why at the towards the end of our message here. But here it says in Genesis 12, verse 1, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country your people to your fathers and your father's household to a land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went he went to that land that the Lord told him to go to, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. We'll see here in the next verse that Lot was Abram's nephew. He took his wife, Sarai, and uh, may switch back and forth between Sarai and Sarah because her name changed as well. Uh, his nephew, Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in this place called Haran, and we'll talk about that. We'll get a good picture of where that is um, in just uh, to, towards the end of the message. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. All right, here goes. Here's all the good stuff, man. Let me tell you something. You can't distinguish a spirit-led person from a blessed person. They're one and the same. If you were spirit-led, you're a blessed person. And you're going to receive blessing upon blessing upon blessing. You won't be able to contain all the blessings in the, that, 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 this, that God gives you when you follow the Spirit, when you allow the Holy Spirit to pick you up and carry you through life, through your troubled times and through your good times. The Holy Spirit will lead you to blessing. That's what the Holy Spirit will do. If you follow the Holy Spirit, you're going to be led into a blessed life. Well, uh, a lot of questions come up whenever I say that. You know, Steve, are you a prosperity teacher that thinks life is uh, just a charmed thing and, and there's no suffering? Well, let me tell you what. The Bible is full of instructions that we're to be blessed. Whether we have good times or whether we have bad times, Jesus, as he launched his ministry and preached probably the most famous sermon of all times, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, which, by the way, my dad has been speaking to us on Sunday nights and has been blessing us abundantly 
with a, a study of the Beatitudes. But look at what Jesus had to say about blessing. It was one of the first things that he said to the crowds who followed him. He said in Matthew 5, verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit. He didn't stop there. Blessed are those who mourn. Was this blessing just for Abraham? Was, was Abraham the only person in history to ever be blessed by God? No. Everyone can be blessed by God if we'll follow the leading of his Holy Spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Let me tell you what. We have brothers and sisters all throughout this world, in particular the Middle East, in particular in com communist countries, where uh, they're persecuted for being Christians. But did you know that God can even bless someone who is persecuted, even in the midst of their persecution? I'll never forget hearing the story of, of an Indian pastor, and I'm referring to an Indian, an Indian from India, and um, he, uh, he was being persecuted. He was thrown into some room um, that I think had raw sewage in it, and it came up either to his waist, his shoulders, I can't remember, but every day he was thrown into this, and he was wading around in this, in this, uh, this terrible area, and God revealed himself into, in that room, and he couldn't wait to get thrown into that room every day because he came into contact with God. He called that his garden with God. <laughs> that is just unbelievable. So for us to think that the persecuted church is not blessed is a huge error. They are blessed. We are blessed, praise God. And what is the, what is the purpose of blessing? You're going to have to forgive me because I am so blessed this morning, <laughs> I can hardly function. But what is the purpose of blessing? Well, the Bible makes it very, very clear. And I love when you can find, find something explained and expressed in the first two or three or four chapters of Genesis because that's what we call the law of first mention. It's the way God intended to, things to be before sin entered the world. And so in Genesis 1.21, we immediately find why God blesses. Here we find in Genesis 1.21, So God created the great creatures and every living thing that moves, <clears throat> with which waters teemed according to their kinds, every bird of flight after its kind. So we're talking about creation, the time of creation. And God saw that it was good. Then God blessed them. These are the creatures that he had created. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. Why does God bless? He blesses us so that we will be fruitful for him. That's why God blesses us. And so we can draw a conclusion from this reality that without God's blessing, we cannot be fruitful. We desperately need and and must have by requirement God's blessing in our life so that we can be fruitful for him. God wants us to be fruitful for him. We see that in John 15, 8, where it says, this is to my father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves 
to be my disciples. How can we prove to be spirit-led disciples of Jesus? By bearing fruit. How are we going to be able to bear fruit? By being blessed. God never intended for us not to be blessed. And so that's the law of first mention. We see it in Genesis, but then we see it throughout the rest of the Bible, including the New Testament, where Jesus speaks of blessings and he says, blessed is this person, blessed is that kind of person. It's not, he doesn't discriminate. He makes it very clear how we can be blessed. And so the Spirit of God leads us to blessing. Where does he lead us to? Well, let's flip back up here to Matthew 5. Where does the Spirit of God lead us to? He leads us to be poor in spirit so we can desire him more. He leads us to places sometimes of mourning for our sins so that we can be blessed. He leads us to be meek and gentle so that we can be blessed. He leads us to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness so that we can be blessed. So the Holy Spirit leads us to blessing. He knows how to get there. Without God's blessing, we can't be fruit- fruitful. But let's look at, let's look at Abram's, Abram's blessings. What did God bless him with? He told him, you're going to be a great nation. You're going to be a great nation. Well, that's the fruit of legacy. He was going to give Abram, and later Abraham, the fruit of having a legacy. And I'll tell you what, if you look in in your heart or your soul, every one of us wants to leave a legacy. We all do. We all want to leave our mark of, of goodness, of accomplishment, of something in this world to be remembered somehow, some way, we want. And you know what? God wants to give you the fruit of legacy. He told, he told Abram he would provide for him. He, would, he said, I'm going to bless you, Abram. And in doing so, he was saying, I'm going to provide for you. You will never be lacking, Abram. And, and this was the fruit of provision. He blessed him and he said, I'm going to bless you so that you can have the fruit of provision. Many of us, might be lacking right now. We might be barely making it to to, to make ends meet or pay the bills. Guess what? God's going to bless you and He's going to give you the fruit of His provision as a result. Praise God. He's going to lead you there. He gave. He said, I'm going to give give you a great name, Abram. That's the fruit of honor. And down deep inside of every one of us want to be honored. Every one of us wants to be honorable, I believe. Maybe there's someone out there that doesn't want that, but I for one do. I want to be honored. And God says, I'm going to lead you to the fruit of honor. I'm going to bless you. Praise God. He said he would, he told Abraham, he said, you're going to be a blessing to others. He said, I'm going to give you the fruit of adding value to other people's lives. And I think all of us want to do that. We want to add value to our world. We want to add value to the body of believers that we're a part of. Praise God. And then he said, um, in essence, I'm going to protect you as well. I'm going to give you the fruit of protection. You don't have to worry about a single solitary thing, Abram. As long as I'm blessing you, you're going to have these fruits. What amazing promises, man. But let me tell you something. Whenever we talk about blessing, I think everybody defines blessing maybe a little bit differently in their mind. Blessing comes with connotations that we all interpret blessing in a different way maybe. But I want to tell you something. It's every bit a mistake to say that blessing is only for the inward man 
as it would be to say that blessing is only for the outward, invisible peace. In other words, if I interpret blessing to mean that uh, I believe God wants me to, to, to drive a Ferrari and to be able to do whatever I want to and to have all the money in the world, well, that's clearly a mistake. But it's equally a mistake to say that God never blesses me externally and blessing is only the blessing of my soul and my spirit. See, those are both errors and they need to be brought into balance with one another. God, first and foremost, wants to bless you internally in your soul and your mind and your spirit, giving you peace and joy and hope. But you know what else? God wants to heal your body. God wants to provide for your needs. He even wants to give you your wants sometimes. Praise God. So blessings are inner blessings and blessings are outer blessings as well. And nothing clarifies this better for me than 3 John 2. Now remember that 3 John only has one chapter. So when I say 3 John 2, that's verse 2. And I'm going to read it to you in the Amplified Version. It says, Beloved, I pray that in every way, in every way, did you catch that? In every way, you may succeed and prosper and be in good health physically. Now I'm reading from the Amplified Version. Just as I know that your soul prospers spiritually. So there you have it. God would never have asked the Apostle John to pray in a way that was against God's will. He, he instructed John to pray this way. I want you to be blessed inwardly and outwardly, but the limitation to your outward blessing is going to be your inner blessing. So seek the things that are above. Seek blessings that come from God that are spiritual in nature, and the physical will fall in line with that. Praise God. So there's, there's something to maybe clear, clarify what I'm talking about when I speak of blessing. Well, you might say... You know, God's blessing has not been my experience. I've had a rough life. I've had a bad life. I, and I'm a Christian. And I've served God for many years. And I haven't seen too many of His blessings at all. So, Steve, I can't really, I can't really identify with what you're talking about. And you know what I would tell you? It's time for you to start being led of the Spirit. Because the Spirit is going to lead you into blessings in your life. Remember, though, uh, that... that being led of the Spirit is to be carried by the Spirit. It's not your effort. It's not your effort. I'll give you an example. Just recently, even this last week, I was seeking God for guidance about something, about making a decision. And I told God, you know what? I'm not going to make a decision until I hear from you. I want to be led of you, and I'm just going to sit here and wait here, and I'm not going to make a decision until I hear from you. And you know what? Friday rolled around, and God showed me exactly what I needed to do. And now I know what I'm not going to do, and, and now I kind of have a picture of what I am going to do. Praise God. I'm carried by the Spirit. I don't have to make a lot of effort except for waiting on God and listening to God. Praise the Lord. And so we need to be carried by the Spirit, but we need to be governed by the law of the Spirit. And that's what we've talked about the last three weeks. I'm not going to rehash that. But we need to remember to be led of the Spirit, and His Spirit is going to lead us into blessing. Now, let's continue to define what blessing is and what blessing is not. A spirit-led person, in other words, a blessed person, is not exempt from suffering. 
We see that very clearly from the Bible, and we see that very clearly from our own experience. So to say that I'm a blessed person means that I live a charmed life and I never have another trouble in my life, well, that's hogwash. That's certainly never going to be the case. But listen to this. I am blessed in spite of my sufferings. My sufferings do not keep God from blessing me every single day of my life. Okay, so I'm blessed in spite or despite my sufferings. And then I love this one because we can't forget it. I'm blessed because I'm being freed from my suffering as well. I'm being freed from my suffering. So I'm blessed while I'm suffering and I'm blessed because the blessing itself delivers me from the suffering that I was in previously or formerly. And, and I love, I, I was just meditating and, and quoting the scripture this week, blessing me so much. Psalms 34, verses 17 through, 30, through 20, it says, The righteous cry out, and I want you to think of Berman, Berman and Nadia, as they were crying out to the Lord before their Friday appointment with that oncologist. They cried out to the Lord. The Lord hears them. He delivers them out of how many of their troubles? All of their troubles. And this word trouble, by the way, is really means evils. Evils. He delivers them out of all of their evils. Praise God. In verse 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Verse 19 of Psalms 34, the righteous person may have many troubles or many evils, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Every single one of them. There's not a single one. The last trouble that you will be delivered from will be when you die. <laughs> That'll be your last trouble. And the way the Lord will deliver you from it is by taking you to heaven, praise God. I look forward to that day. But you know why I don't want that day to happen quite yet for me? I believe God still has more fruit for me to have. And I believe, therefore, I need more blessing in my life. And I believe, therefore, I need to be led of the Spirit starting today. <laughs> led of the Spirit in all my decisions. I love in Psalms 34, 20, he protects not one of his bones, not 15 of his bones. He protects all his bones, unequivocally everything, all, all the time. Praise God, not one of them will be broken. Well, a few weeks ago, a few weeks ago, I expressed my belief that Paul was eventually delivered from his thorn in the flesh, all right? A couple of weeks ago, I expressed that I believed, it's an opinion, it's an, uh, undoubtedly an opinion, and I should have made that very clear when I said it, that eventually Paul's, Paul was delivered from his thorn in the flesh. Well, we don't know for certain one way or the other. But after a stimulating conversation this week with a good friend, I studied deeper to make sure that my assumption was not unfounded, because that's what it is, it's truly an assumption. And I was reminded of one of the last statements that the, that the Apostle Paul wrote before he was martyred. Now, I don't know about you, but I take very seriously somebody who's on their deathbed and who tells me something. I, I'm very interested to know what they say because it's obviously very important. They're, they're trying to summarize the, the life experience that, that they have maybe into a, a paragraph, into a few sentences. And here we have the Apostle Paul writing his last book in 2 Timothy to his son, to his confidant, 
to the person who he always looked to as someone who would be there for him. And this was one of the last things that the Apostle Paul said. I'm going to read it in the King James Version and then in two other versions. He said, The Lord shall deliver me from every evil work. 2 Timothy 4.18 The Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Wow. Here was the Apostle Paul at the end of his life, knowing that his life was being poured out as a drink offering before the Lord. And that's what he said. I know the Lord will always deliver me from every evil work. I love how the Amplified Version says this, but I like even more the, the classic edition of the Amplified Version, which I'll read to you. It says, and indeed... And indeed is a very strong word. And in other words, you can't argue this. This has been my experience and this is what God has shown me. And indeed, the Lord will certainly deliver and draw me to himself with every, from every, every assault of evil. He will preserve and bring me safe into his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. So be it. <laughs> this was Paul's fervent belief, belief and here's my editorial comment, because that's what it is. And I believe it was based on his personal experience. I don't think the Apostle Paul would have said anything that wasn't based on his own personal experience. That's just me talking, though, all right? So I believe that, that yes, the Apostle Paul was delivered eventually from his thorn in the flesh. But the point is here, the point is here, I'm going to go back up to um, Psalms 34, because... This really encapsulates and summarizes what we're saying. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all, period. That's what the biblical account tells us. And there's many, many other uh, stories and verses that prove this out. Uh, every suffering comes to an end, praise God. The Israelites eventually were delivered from Egypt. Eventually they came out of the desert. Eventually they, they took over the land of Canaan. Eventually they came out of, uh, of exile. Eventually Jesus came as a savior. Uh, time and time again, Jesus' stories, uh, or the stories of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, healing people, bringing them, bringing their suffering to an end. Praise the Lord. So we're blessed in spite of suffering, and we are blessed when we are brought out of suffering. But undoubtedly, the greatest blessing in the whole wide world is when you hear God's voice. There's nothing in this whole wide world that compares when God speaks directly to you. And I'm not talking in your ear because most of us will never hear God audibly. But you know what's better than hearing his voice audibly is hearing him in your soul, mm -hmm. in your spirit, in the depths of your inner man. That communication is seared into your soul the rest of your life. You will never forget when God speaks to you. And uh, when you have a spark of heavenly hope, there's no blessing that compa compares to that. Or when confident faith rises up in your heart, or when God's love sweeps over you, or when God's power overcomes your weakness, that, my friend, is blessing. That's true blessing, and that's the blessing we should all seek. And that's why in Psalm 63, 3, it says, 
Your love is better than life. <laughs> I, I could have all the physical blessings in the world. If I'm not blessed in my soul, forget it. Your love, oh God, is better than, my, than life, and my lips will glorify you. So let me just switch gears here. In Genesis 12, 2, uh, part of the blessing that Abram receives from God is God tells him, you will be a blessing. You will be a blessing. And the thing that I've found most in life is I am most blessed when I'm being a blessing to someone else. I am most blessed in my life when God's blessing is flowing in me and right out of me to someone else. That's when the true blessing comes. And you see, your gifting or your gift in life, you might be uh, a gifted pianist or a gifted teacher or a gifted nurse or doctor, that gifting is to be given to someone else. And you will enjoy your gift so much more when you're giving it freely to someone else. This will produce in you immense satisfaction and fulfillment. That's why Acts 20, 35 says, Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus Christ himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. I love to give what God has given me. And whenever you can say, you know what, I would do this and not even be paid for it, you know you're enjoying what God is, <laughs> what God has dispensed to you to be given to others. So the nature of a spirit-led person is to be a selfless blessing to others for the sheer joy of the contact with God during the process and the relief that you produce in others. Don't you love producing relief in other people, seeing their suffering relieved? I sure do. And this statement came to me as a result of this thought. It's not about the wealth that comes to you. It's about the wealth that comes from you. That's when you feel richest, is when wealth comes out of you to other people. And I'm not just talking about physical wealth. In fact, I'm talking about most anything but physical wealth. I mean, it's wonderful to give. I know this man who routinely goes over to Juarez and takes food every Thursday. He takes food over to the, the folks over there that don't have, uh, don't have you know, anything. And you know what he has? He has the gift of generosity. And he's taking and physically dispensing. But there's so many other things that you can give other than just money. Money being a wonderful thing to give. But there's other things that you can give that will, that will bless you and bless others. Add value to your world. Don't just try to get value from your world. Every day, add value to, your, to those that you work with, to your family, to your marriage, to someone else's life. Add value to them. See, God not only gives you gifts to build up the body of the, of, of, of the church, of Jesus, He also gives you unique gifts to better your world, the world that you live in. You are the salt of the earth. You have a unique skill set, unique gifts to improve your world, and God wants you to do it. Don't hold back anymore. If you love gardening, God wants you to use that to bless someone somehow, somewhere. 
If you're good at math, God wants to somehow use math as a means. Maybe you can tutor somebody. Who knows? If you like camping, God can use that as a means. Maybe you could be a Boy Scout leader. Who knows? If you like fixing fixing cars, bless someone by fixing their car. If you're good at cooking, who knows how God wants to use you? You've been uniquely gifted not only to bless the church, but to bless your world. And you and I, we should be doing that every day. So let the Spirit lead you to your blessing every day. And He's going to. Let the Holy Spirit lead you to a blessing. I love 1 Chronicles 4, 9 through 10. I've been rereading the book, uh, The Prayer of Jabez, written by it's Bruce Wilkinson, I believe is his last name. But let me read you the scripture in 1 Chronicles 4, 9 through 10. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. You see, Jabez had uh, some somewhat of a difficult upbringing, it sounds like. Who knows what this pain was, if it was physical or emotional. But it says, Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. (laughs) Let me tell you what. You can ask for God's blessing and his spirit will lead you to that blessing so that you can be fruitful for the kingdom of heaven. Well, I'm going long here today, but I'm just going to keep right on trucking because I think this is good. Here's the next point that I'd like to make is a spirit-led person is attentive, available, and flexible for God. And we get this by looking at Genesis 12, 1, 4, and I guess it's verse 4 as well. Let me, let me read you these excerpts from today's scripture reading. The Lord said to Abraham, go from your country. Well, you know what? We find out that Abraham picked up everything and went. What does that mean? He was attentive to God. God said something. Abram paid attention and he did it. All right. So he was attentive. In verse four, so Abram went. That means he was available to God. He didn't just pay attention to God. He was available. Have you made yourself available to God lately? If you do, the spirit of God is going to use you and lead you powerfully. It says here that Abram was 75 years old when he went. Well, that tells me Abram was pretty flexible because from what I can gather, the older you get, the less flexible you are sometimes. And I'm not demeaning anybody. I'm just looking at my own life. All right? We need to be attentive, available, and flexible. And here, probably one of my top 10 favorite scriptures that I quote probably once every couple of months is Proverbs 8:34. It says, Blessed are those who listen to me. Well, if you listen, you're going to be flexible. You're going to go with the flow of what the Spirit is telling you to do. All right? Watching daily at my doors. That's someone who's attentive. They're watching God. They're watching for God. And finally, waiting at my doorway. That means they're available. So we need to be available, attentive, and flexible in order to be Spirit-led. And that's what Abram exhibited. The key ingredients to obedience are those things. Attentiveness plus availability plus flexibility equals obedience. That's what is obedience is. Now, a religious person will get in your face and say, you need to obey God. You need to do what God tells you to do. Well, they need to dig a little deeper because obedience is not the root. It's the fruit. The root is attentiveness, availability, 
flexibility, allowing yourself and loving to be governed by the Holy Spirit, then you'll naturally be obedient. If somebody's holding a sledgehammer over your head telling you to be obedient, that's not going to be a very fun way of living. And God knows that. He wants you to love to be obedient. In fact, it says in 1 John 2, 5, it says, If anyone obeys my word, the love of God is truly made complete in them. You see, loving God equals obedience. We obey God because we want to, not because we have to. And Jesus sells us on being governed by him. He doesn't make us. He sells us on it. He tells us the benefits of it in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, where he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and humble, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, how does that sound for you? Jesus is selling you on his, his spirit governing your life so that you can be obedient. Praise God. Well, you know what? I'm going to go five more minutes. <laughs> so hang tight. I want you, because we got to look at this. Go back to Genesis 11. So let's rewind before Abram was 75 years old. And let's see what his environment what was, what his, how he was raised, what did his dad act like. His dad's name was Terah, of all things, spelled T-E-R-A-H, different from my daughter's uh, uh, spelling. But his name was Terah, and it says in Genesis 11.31, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, um, uh, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go up to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. Now, you've got to get a picture of this on the map. Ur of the Chaldeans uh, is in southern, modern-day southern Iraq, just above Kuwait, a little, to, a little northwest of Kuwait. So it's, it's, it's down south in Iraq, right? Not too far from the Persian Gulf. And um, they decided to move from there while Abram was an adult. He was already married. His dad said, let's pick up. And apparently his dad was pretty wealthy uh, from, from what we can gather. And he traveled a thousand miles north along the Euphrates River up to Haran. Now Haran is right on the border between Turkey and Syria and it's north of Palestine. So he took a thousand mile trip probably with herds and cattle. It probably took him somewhere between six months to maybe a year traveling along the Fertile Crescent which is where the, the Euphrates and the Tigris rivers um, go and he, he, he took all his possessions but the Bible says, listen to this, it says he intended to go to Canaan. He set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. He was going to Palestine, and it's almost, almost for sure God told Terah to go to Canaan. But here, instead, he got to Haran, and he settled there. He settled there. Let me tell you what, I wonder, Abram's, Abram's dad, I, I wonder what Abram thought of his dad. Because he knew the plan was to go to Canaan. 
and he knew that his dad settled there. And I wonder what Abram thought of his dad's decision to not go all the way with what God's goal was for his life. I wonder if Abram ever told himself, my dad didn't do it, I probably won't do it either. Did his dad's distraction distract Abram as well? We'll never know, but we know the rest of the story. A spirit-led person will never let other people's experiences limit them from everything that God has planned for them. So stop looking around at Christians who you had on a pedestal who failed you and say, you know what, they may not have gone all the way, but I'm going all the way. I'm a spirit-led person, and I'm going to do what God tells me to do despite other people's shortcomings. Praise God. As for me and my house, as Joshua said, we're going to serve the Lord. <laughs> we're going to go all the way with God. So when I'm led of the Spirit, I'm not going to let the dis disappointment of other people's shortcomings stop me from going all the way of where God wants me to go. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Heavenly Father, for this powerful example of Abram. Lord God, this, this man who in late in life, Lord, was instructed of God and was led of the Spirit of God to blessing. Lord Jesus, I pray like um, I pray like Jabez prayed. God, bless us, Lord Jesus. Bless me, bless my family, bless our extended family in this church, Lord. Bless every single solitary person who's listening to this right now. And Lord, just like Jabez, we believe you're going to grant that request. We know that blessing isn't a function of not suffering. We're blessed in spite of suffering, and we know there's an end to our suffering, praise God, because the Bible tells us so. Thank God that that produces hope in us. There's a light at the end of my tunnel and there's a light at the end of every single person's tunnel that's listening today. And that light is you, Jesus. You are going to bring an end, an end to the trial that each and every one of us is facing. Just like Berman and Nadia are seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. Just like Sylvia is seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. Is that not what that praising God is all about and blessing God for his might, his glory. Lord Jesus, so often we need to be praising God before we see the answer. And Lord, I pray that we would be doing that. Let us be spirit-led every day. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for it. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen.